So have you ever had a situation where you felt like something was wrong, but you weren't quite sure what it was? Like, have you ever been walking around, and you find out later, like it's the worst. Like when you walk around and like the collar on your shirt is like up or like not folded right, and no one tells you for like hours, and you're walking around looking like a doofus and no one says anything, or like when you have toothpaste in the corners of your mouth, for like two hours and no one says anything to you and you think you're good but you're not you're not good you're 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 weird and then have you ever had like like had salad for lunch and like you've got like a full like leaf hanging out in a tooth that's waving at people and no one tells you that it's there and you're like seriously are you not did anybody question your friends at that moment like do they really love you at that point you know, that for me is legit what I do. If my collar is ever, you know, not popped correctly, let's make sure of that, all right? You can just go touch that thing, whatever. It's okay. I'm not, it's not weird. Just don't let that happen, you know? And I was thinking about not telling this quick story, but I'll tell it because it's funny, um, is that in high school, our English teacher, it was like junior, I was a junior in high school, and our English teacher was kind of like, kind of like a serious guy, and he taught, you know, and and he's teaching one day, and like the beginning of class, he starts teaching, he gets up from behind the desk, and he taught the entire class that morning with his fly down and his undershirt like sticking out. And, and I mean, it's high school, right? So literally, he's trying to be serious about English, and we're just like not having it and just laughing constantly. And he's like, nothing that I'm saying is funny. What's so funny? And nobody told him. We were evil, man. That was just so wrong. We didn't tell him. Now, someone did. It was probably a girl because a girl, is they're always kinder, you know, but wrote him a little note that said, you know, your fly's down or whatever and left it on his desk. But it was, it was you know, why not like, let somebody know when something's wrong, man? Something's wrong. Well, um, I'm actually not supposed to be teaching today because um, our friends Michelle and John Clavon were going to be in from Moline. They moved away about a year and a half ago to start a Chick-fil-A. Everybody loves Chick-fil-A. And Michelle had prepped for uh, this weekend to teach. And, you know, in the beginning of the week, you know, we were kind of talking and we were going back and forth and texting and phone call. And, and she gave me her notes and we were kind of talking about it. it's cool, it's awesome. And uh, all along, there was, she kind of felt like there was something wrong with her left eye. And as the week progressed, um, about Thursday afternoon, I got a call from John, her husband, and he said, hey, we're at the eye doctor. They say that, that Michelle's retina is detaching from the inside of her eye, in her left eye, and she needs to get, does that sound pleasant? It's amazing. So um, we need to get, we're being sent, referred right now for emergency surgery in Iowa City so that she doesn't lose sight in that eye. That's a big deal, right? I mean, and now she looks like Jack Sparrow with the eye patch, and when she lifts it up, she can shoot lasers and stuff. It's amazing. Now, she was supposed to, like, lay down flat for three days and, like, take a week off of work. I was like, well, why can't she still come speak? Like, you could just lay up here, have a mic, look at them with your one good eye and tell them to listen, you know? I don't know. I guess she's just not that savage, but uh, it's okay. No, I, she's, she's great. And so here's the thing. She had something going on that was a lot more serious than some, like, lettuce in your teeth, right? Um, I mean, she could have lost the sight in her eye. 
And in the beginning of the week, she's like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just a little milky. It's, it'll go away. And it could have been her vision could have been gone. Man, I think that uh, sometimes there are things that are, that are more insidious that are wrong than just, you know, maybe your collar being messed up. Um, so I had a couple of options when this happens. Something went wrong. Um, I learned that I was going to need to teach this weekend on Thursday night. I kind of started feeling it when they called me. Then Friday morning, yeah, she's not going. going to be able to be there. So a couple of options. Um, we could have just like dismissed really quickly and said, let's go home, right? Everyone's like, yeah. Um, we could have done a lot of things. I, I, uh, I could have just, what I thought about doing was just taking the next section of James that we're in. If you don't know, we're in a series on James, and we're just kind of going through it verse by verse. And uh, I could have just gone to the next one and just preached my message from next week. But then you have good old Jekka Janes, who is our, she writes our discussion guides for our growth groups. And our growth groups are alive and well and going really awesome. And those questions are all based on the section of James that Michelle was going to teach. So I checked the archives. And it just so happened that about four years ago, I had a message on James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, ready to go. And that's a complete lie. I actually did it. So I did it. So now I've got, like, I have to preach on this section of Scripture. I can't pull one off and be like, oh, we're going to take a break. It's like, no, the discussion groups are going to be talking about it. So then I'm like, oh, you know what? I got Michelle's notes. I got Michelle's notes. I'll, just, I'll do my best Michelle impersonation possible, and I'll just read about it. And I don't care if there's a lot of, like, female language in there about, you know, whatever. No, there wasn't, okay? It was, like, not a personal thing with her. It could have been a message that I could have preached. I, I looked at it as great. But I chose not to do that. And the reason is because, man, Michelle really worked hard on that, you know? And, and she put a lot of prayer and thought into it. And... I want to invite her in the near future to preach that message to us. And so today, um, in the, within the next, near, in the near future, we're going to get two teachings on this passage, one from me and one from Michelle when she's able to do it. Is that cool? Yes. So um, we're going to be in James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. If you want a Bible, raise your hand. We've got a couple of guys that are ready to go to get you one. we got one person here, one person there, one person there. Boom, boom, yep. So uh, we're going to open up. Pat, can you help them out a little bit? Perfect. We got somebody back there. Lots of folks that want a Bible. Our Bibles are worn out, and the reason is because we use them a lot. Your Bible should be worn out as well. Hey, while we're passing those out, if I could, um, person that's sitting on the left side of the row, um, go ahead and grab the uh, clipboard that's there. This is kind of old school. What we do is have you guys check in and just let us know that you're here. If this is your first time here, you can let us know that. Let us know if you have any questions or concerns or any information that you need. I truly appreciate that. And it looks like we almost have all the Bibles to where they need to be. So James chapter 3 um, is where we're going to be hanging out. And we'll start reading there. We got one over here. Yes. Good deal. You know, I think we feel like there's stuff that's wrong in our world as well. Not only just with, you know, the little funny things, and not only sometimes like in a situation that Michelle was in where our eyesight could be lost, but I think a lot of us are frustrated and feel like there's a lot that's going on that's wrong in the world, and we don't really know why anybody's not doing it. Nobody's doing anything about it, it seems. I mean, we don't really, we're frustrated with 
how our government is run. We're frustrated with how our police behave. We're, we're over the stock market and we're just done with it. We've got our own personal issues that we're, we're, we're trying to figure out as well and things just don't seem to be going the way we think they should. And James, really, in, this, in these chapters that we've been in, he starts to help us see why it is that there's so much wrong with the world. He starts to say that, you know, you might be walking around where, you know, you might have lettuce in your teeth or you might have your eyesight going bad and maybe possibly losing it, that maybe we're walking around sometimes, James would say, and we're thinking that we, our eyes of our heart are open, but they very well could be blinded. That we may very well be walking in, in our life thinking that we are following what we think to be true wisdom, and it may not be wisdom at all. And there may be something wrong inside of our heart. And how do we tell the truth about our culture to other people without sounding holier than thou? Like, oh, you know why it's, it's really bad is because, you know, they don't love Jesus. Okay, well, that doesn't play well very far outside these four walls. How do you tell the truth about the world to yourself and to others without becoming holier than thou and out becoming a grumbler where everything is always a problem and there's always an issue? And man, also, how do we not forget that there is a lot of beauty, a lot of love, and a lot of good in the world still? How do, we, how do we live in a world where we sense things are wrong and not just celebrate the good, not just celebrate the beauty and the love, but to actually contribute to it? How do we become less of a consumer and more of a contributor to the goodness that's in the world? Well, I think what we have to do is we have to start reading. Um, and before we do jump into verse 13, the progression is something I want to highlight. There's been a progression in James, um, even from the first chapter. And that's this. You guys have heard me talking about orthodoxy and orthopraxy, right? Right believing and right living. That there's something about the faith that Paul talked about, that by faith we are saved. And no more, nothing else. That, that type of faith that Paul talked about, James says that type of saving faith is the type of faith that actually causes something to happen, that we act on our faith. You can't have real saving faith in Jesus and sit on a log and just hang out. There's an action that is associated with it. And so we see that orthodoxy leads automatically to orthopraxy and that we're going to put it into practice. No, the progression kind of goes like this. This real faith in Jesus creates right living. And it also, if you remember last week, that real faith in Jesus creates right talking. And we talked about our tongue and the words that we use and how they can light things on fire and destroy people or it can build them up. But the progression keeps going in this passage because it also is all about the fact that, that this real faith in Jesus also creates right thinking. Right thinking. That the way that we think in our heart is what causes the words to come out of our mouth, which oftentimes causes us to do the things that we do. And so he's getting down to it, guys. And verse 13 says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So stop right there. 
Just the first verse there. Who is wise in understanding? So wise would be the ability to apply information to the practical areas of life. To be able to really understand, not just like have a bunch of information, but to be able to apply that information in a smart way, in a wise way to the practical areas of our life. But he also says understanding. Understanding is important, right? Understanding is intellect and, and having information and understanding how to um, analyze and pick that apart and how to apply it is where the wisdom comes in. And so if you're wise in understanding, what's going to happen is that you would kind of create a show and tell, that there would be, there would be something that would show, be shown to the world by what? By the good deeds that happen because of the humility that you have that comes from wisdom. So... Wisdom, understanding, and humility are working together to create these, these actions that we do. Now, a word that kind of is in the zone is um, meekness. And meekness means weakness, right? No. No, not at all. Actually, we think sometimes that meekness means weak, but it's not. The best phrase for meekness is this. It's strength under control. Strength under control, which means that you might have the power to make something happen, but you restrain yourself, or you have the power to make something happen, and you make it happen because you're being intentional with the power that you have, that there is some sort of strength that you have that's under control, that has some restraint to it and some intentionality to it. I like to think about this in, in the, the humility plus wisdom plus this meekness feels to me like what I would love to be known for. Um, the way that I put it, and this is some words that you don't necessarily put together that often, is, is I want to be able to navigate my life with powerful intentionality. Think about that. that I, do you want to be a person like me? I want, set it as a goal, that I want to navigate the decisions of my life with powerful intentionality. Maybe you're in the, in the midst of a, of a temptation that you have been battling day after day, week after week. And now what I'm telling you, if you navigate your life with powerful intentionality, what you're going to have to do is you're going to need to apply some strategic pressure in that area of your life. And so what you might need to do this week is you might need to get up early every morning this week and you might need to sit before God and you might need to pray for strength and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and you need to maybe get a battle plan for the day and know that when that temptation comes, this is going to be your approach. This is how you're going to not give in. This is because you know, if you look at the other chapters that we've looked at in chapter 2, that that James tells us exactly how temptation works and how he can overcome it. And so this is what you might have to do. You might be facing a trial in your life that you have been going through for a long time, and you're about done. You're about, you know what, I'm over it, and I just don't care anymore. I don't care. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And then in the back of your head, you remember perseverance, man, maturity. God is trying to mature you. You say, you know what, I'm not going to let that trial go the way that it, it just any old way. I am going to put some strategic pressure on that area of my life, and I am going to go to battle on my knees this week, early in the morning, and say, God, I am not giving in yet. That was what you might need to do if you choose to navigate your life with significant and powerful intentionality. All right, let's keep going. Verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. 
or lie about the truth. Such quote-unquote wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Like James, like, you're not sure code anything here. Verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Now, he's already said in, in, chap, in the, the earlier chapter of, uh, of chapter 3 that, he, that our tongue is, is, is a destructive force, that it's set on fire by hell itself. And now he's saying that this wisdom, quote-unquote, is something that is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Like, whoa! But guys, let's get, let's get our, our minds and our hearts around this for a second. I mean, when you think about ambition and you think about this envy, typically ambition and envy are not things that necessarily you can outwardly see, but it's something that's in your heart. It's something that you're thinking about. James says, when selfish ambition is in your heart, this is, this is actually a heart issue. This is an issue where we are trying to figure out, okay, what am I thinking about? Okay, this is what I see my faith wants me to do. This is what my faith wants me to say. But now what is my faith, how does it impact my thought life? How does it impact what I think about? And we often won't see envy or selfish ambition, but it's inside of our minds. And you can be um, walking around and you can see wisdom that maybe, maybe that is the right thing to do because everyone else is doing it. But there might be a whisper in, the, in your ear that says, that's wisdom. It's earthly. It's unspiritual. And instead, what you need to do is say, nope, I'm not going that direction. And you might need to, that might be your, your strategic pressure this week that you need to apply. Is to say, you know what, when, when I see something that is just, everyone's just doing it, not thinking, that maybe I need to be in prayer about that. This decision that's coming up, and everyone decides to go here or there, I may need to do something different because of what I sense and what I see. You see, this mindset is much more insidious than anything we could ever know. I mean, he's calling it demonic. He's calling it um, some pretty rough stuff. You're seeing, you're seeing that this is where disorder and every evil practice are. It's a pretty negative verse, verse 16. I took a second. I don't recommend this all the time or by any means to be something that would be um, regular, but sometimes when you Look at a verse and you rewrite it in the opposite. It starts to say some things to us. And so I did that with this verse because James just needed to lighten up a little bit. Um, here it is, rewritten in the positive. If you harbor generosity and grace in your hearts, be humble and affirm the truth. Such wisdom comes down from heaven and is divine, spiritual and godly. For where you have grace and generosity, there you find order in every good practice. So we have a, a verse 16 that is pretty challenging and pretty loaded for us. Let's keep going on verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, okay, so now there was one type of wisdom in 16, different type of wisdom in 17. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Here James is kind of teeing up chapter 4 because he's about to go into like why do wars happen and what's the battle all about and he starts to like really throw down and it gets even 
more intense next chapter. Come on back next week um, for it. But this, this, this series is called Brother, and I always love connecting um, in this way James's teachings with what Jesus said. And in verse 18, James says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And you don't have to look very far to find what Jesus said. Something very similar. Matthew 5, verse 9, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. So the peacemakers are the children of God. James is talking about a type of wisdom that ends up expressing itself in purity, peace-loving, being considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Verse 16 is very different than, verse 17 is very different than verse 16. And so we think about this, and I think we have to be careful because um, even the readers of this letter back in the day, we, they needed to be careful because, to be honest with you, the list that James gives seems kind of wimpy to me. You're a peace lover and submissive and you're considerate and you love mercy and you have good fruit. I mean, imagine um, we got a, this photo of this guy, right? I mean, if you're drawn to be like a tough guy, like that guy seems pretty tough, right? I was trying to find a shot of a tough guy. That's, to me, he's pretty tough. And, and you think about what, what words describe this guy that come to mind when you see him. Like, this is, like, guys, this is what, you know, this is, like, man, that big old stash, you know, that's just groomed perfectly. The gloves that are just, you know, pretty gnarly. I mean, what, anybody got any words that describe this guy real quick? Handsome. Handsome, what? Biker. Grizzle. All right. Not a word I would have thought, but I like it. I like it. I'll accept it. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, this is really, really bad, what I'm about to say. But you could say just by the looks of that guy that he looks like verse 16 fits him great, you know? And those words pop up there like bitter, envious, selfish, earthly, unspiritual, demonic, disorder, evil. And it kind of fits. I mean, he's kind of gruff looking. He's a little grizzly. What is it? Grizzle? Grizzle? Yeah. Okay. And, and this is like, man, this is like, you're tough, man. Yeah, you know what? You're just, you're just nothing really phases you. You can't be moved. But then let's just throw up verse 17 words on this picture to see what it does. This guy's pure. He's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. It's, it's kind of an awkward contrast, right? Juxtaposition. And here's what I'll tell you. Guys, especially, and everybody in the room. You can't look at this list and think it's wimpy. You can't look at this list and say, oh, pfft, no, no. Because I'll tell you what. This list is harder to get to be true as part of your life and part of who you are, and it's harder to maintain. You know what's easier? The first list. 
You know why? Because I'm already prone to be bitter. I'm already ticked off at the world. I already think that I should have everything that everyone else has. I already think that I should have better things than everyone else has. And I already, I already feel that way. Like, go back one slide. I already am, I have tracks and I have railroad in my brain that actually have a disposition to go that way. Why? Because it's just the way that we're wired. And it's easier for me to be like this and have these words describe me than it is for the second. So who's a bigger man? The man that goes after the second list or the guy that takes the easy list and just does whatever he wants? I'll tell you right now, God's man is the man that goes after the second list and says that's the toughest of all because it's harder to get and it's harder to maintain. And it's going to require you to get strategic and put some pressure on your soul. Mm -hmm. Somebody wake up, right? Yes. Yeah. So the, go to the next one. So this list is what, is what is stated in James. It says, this is the wisdom that comes from above. It is expressed this way. You could dig for a week on this. There's eight words right there. You could take one every day, and you could say, all right, let's just get real. Rate myself on a scale of one to ten in terms of my purity. Number one, I am filthy. Number Ten, I am pure, as pure can be. Peace-loving, how peace-loving am I? How considerate am I of other people? How submissive am I in my way versus other people's way? How full of mercy am I? How much good fruit am I showing? And why don't I make a list of it while I'm at it? And how impartial am I? And how sincere am I? Guys, if you want to go deeper this week, then take that list from verse 17 and do some self-examination this week and ask yourself some hard questions. Because you'll start to say, am I basing my life off of the wisdom from above or the wisdom that James says is unspiritual, evil, and demonic? What? This is what we have to wrestle with, guys. And I will say this. Um, Michelle's talk is so good. It's about how we talk to ourselves. Self-talk. And just right there, man, I, not in my notes, but this story, man, where you have to be able to discern the wisdom from above versus the wisdom. It's two different types of wisdom. Wisdom from below. I was with a buddy of mine um, a couple months ago, and we were just having coffee and talking, and um, we were talking about an issue that he was going through with his family, and it was tough, man. It was a lot going on. And he... Uh, he began to talk like this. He began to say, you know, this whole situation starts to make me feel like a failure, like I haven't done what I'm supposed to do, that God doesn't approve of me anymore, that I'm not worthy of his love, that I feel as though he's abandoned me. All right? And I let him finish. And when he was done, I said this to him. I said, dude, God doesn't talk like that. That is not God's voice. If you hear a voice in your head that's saying that you are not worthy and that you are, are unloved, that you are not someone who deserves to have a solution granted the wisdom to have. In, in chapter 1, God's, James says, I will give you the wisdom. God will give you the wisdom and he will give it generously to anyone who asks with faith. And I said to him, and I said, God doesn't talk like that. You are loved by God. He is trying to mature you right now. And he began to cry. And he said, you know what? I needed to hear that because it's so easy to believe those thoughts. Man, when we get real and we say, you know what? I am, 
I need to know and listen for the voice of God in my life. Imagine yourself. Well, let me say this. You know, for me, you guys, I've had people that have come here and, um, like, first or second time, and they'll look around, you know, like, during worship or whatever, and they'll be like, yeah, it just seems like everybody here has their, their life together. You know, it's perfect. And I was like, you haven't talked to anyone yet. Just talk to somebody. Like, literally, like, we just love giving messy projects to Jesus. Like, here's another one, God. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do. It's a mess. I mean, it's just true, right? We're all a train wreck. And, and, and you start to think that way. Not only am I saying, oh, everyone else has it together. I'm a mess. Everyone else has it together. I'm a mess. And it separates you from community. It separates you from belonging. It separates you and isolates you so you feel like you have to fight your battle by yourself. But I'm telling you, the vision that's in my head is we're all running in the same direction, man. And we're going after it. Oh, yeah. And, and by the way, you know, oh, Joe, look at you. Your family's great. You have it all together, blah, blah, blah. It's like, wait, let's sit down for coffee. I'll tell you how messed up everything is in my life right now, all right? <laughs> and then, you, have you ever had one of those days where you're like, you know what? This is basically the day where you're like, it all piles up, and at the end of the day, you're like, I'm quitting my job. I'm dropping out of school. I'm getting a divorce. I'm putting the kids up for adoption. We're just, we're done. We're done. <laughs> I'm going to build a shack in the middle of the woods. Thank you for being honest. Yes, Kim. Yeah. And, and man, I have had, I have those days more often than I want to have them where you get to the end of the day and this is what I say. I'm being completely, I'm being transparent. Maybe too transparent, but you know, deal with it. Is you have a day where you're like, this is why guys quit the ministry. This is why guys give up on being a pastor and turn it all in and go get a real job. You get to the end of a day like that, and you're like, you know what? I'm done. Like, seriously, I cannot anymore. Maybe you've had a day like that. So here's what you do and what I do when you have a day like that. It's really easy. At the end of the day, when you're feeling like garbage, do this. Go to sleep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's like medicine, man. And when you get up in the next morning, you'll experience scripture that says his mercies are new every morning. And all of a sudden you get up and you don't feel like everything's as bad as it was yesterday. You're like, you know what that person that said that? They were wrong. They didn't know what they were talking about. And that wasn't God talking to me yesterday. And I, all of a sudden I have it. You know what? Sometimes my will is weak, my spirit is weak, and I just need to go to bed. You know? And it may sound funny, try it. But the longer you stay up, the weaker you get. And it gets to be in a bad spot. And you just need to get yourself out of that. Go to sleep, man. Go to sleep. Um, imagine this. Uh, you're walking down a street. Downtown Chicago. Sun's kind of down, but it's still light a little bit, you know. It's getting dark. And you're not in the best of neighborhoods, but you're not in the worst of neighborhoods. And there's a group of people that look like that guy on this side. And there's a group of people that look like that guy on this side. And the group over here are verse 16 people. They're filled with bitterness and envy and selfish ambition and evil and disorder and de demonic thinking. And the other group on the other side, they're filled with verse 17. They're peaceful, they're pure, 
They're just. They're merciful. They, they are looking to submit and be considerate. Now, as you're walking towards these two groups of people, which group do you want to start running at you right now? <laughs> you want this one, right? Because if this group starts running at you, we're turning tail. We're getting out of there, right? Because that is not good. Those guys are not thinking good things, and they want whatever you got. But this, they're running at you with peace and mercy. Yes! And maybe a plate of cookies. Let's go. Imagine verse 16, verses 17. Would you rather have, as a neighbor, would you rather have verse 16 people or verse 17 people, right? If you have verse 16 people as your neighbor, lock your doors. They want that flat screen that you just got. And watch out. But if you've got verse 17 people as your neighbor, rock on, right? Here come more cookies. So if it's true that you'd rather have verse 17 people run at you, and you'd rather have verse 17 people be your neighbor, then let me ask you this question. Why don't you become the verse 17 neighbor to your neighbor now? What is waiting for you to do that? What, what is holding you back? I'll tell you what's holding you back. It's real simple. You. That's it. I, I watched, man, I, I okay, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Verse 17, you don't get that without giving something up. I think what you have to do is you've got to let go of some stuff in order for that verse to start to work itself out in your life. You see, if there are some, you, you, you can't mix some of the impure things that you have in your life and try to become and have the purity of the wisdom of God become part of your life. It doesn't work. It doesn't mesh. You've got to give those things up to allow the purity of God to begin to work itself in you. Will you be complete tomorrow? No, it's a process. It's going to be a process for the rest of your life. Totally cool. That's what it's all about. Let's go. Let's keep running. Let's help each other out. But man, if we think that we can somehow combine the things that we're struggling with and not allowing those to go, I mean, this is where when we sing, this is exactly what it's all about. The, um, one of the studies that I use for um, James as I'm going through this with you guys is super great. And there's a, a phrase that it, it uses um, about kind of summarizing chapters one, two, and three. And I wonder um, if it might even be possible for this to be a prayer for us. So it says this, chapter 1, a believer should stand confidently. Chapter 2, a believer should serve compassionately. In chapter 3, a believer should speak carefully. And then it says this, he should be what God wants him to be. Do what God wants him to do and speak as God wants him to speak. Ben can come up. I mean, think about this. If you tackled that verse 17 and that, that list this week and, and examined your heart and you made this your prayer, think about what this says. God, help me to be what you want me to be. Help me to do what you want me to do. Help me to speak as you want me to speak. 
Like, do you know how revolutionary that is? If we really prayed that, if in the next few minutes while we sing these verses, open the eyes of my heart is the first one. If you said, open the eyes of my heart, God, and I want to be what you want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to speak as you want me to speak. This will change your life. Let's stand. Whenever you give anything to God or give up something for God, God will always, always be there and he will always replace it with something that's better. But the, the problem is, is that we don't trust that. We're going to sing a song that says that he is good, God is good. And some of us are going to struggle to get those words out of our mouth today because we're not quite sure if God really is good. And so I just want to pray because there is freedom in this place, guys. If there's a need for you to come up here, go back there, find a spot to just allow yourself to connect with God however you need to, that is what this place is all about. The Holy Spirit is here. He's been working on me and you this whole time, and he is ready, man. It's just a question about, about whether or not this is going to be your turning point in the next few minutes or not. So let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, we just open ourselves up to you, God. Lord, we know that it's not about the amount of information that we gather in a sermon or in a class, but God, it's about the amount of information that we apply to our life, the amount of information that we're able to wisely apply to our life. So God, as we begin to worship and as we begin to sing these songs, Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters, oh God, in the room that are ready to surrender. Lord, I pray that they would sense the prayers that have gone up for this service, for them sitting in these chairs, that, Lord, there is a crowd of people that are praying for them, that they would have the faith to step over the line and surrender whatever it is that's holding them back. And, Lord, without the emotional need, necessary um, altar call, without any type of, uh, of coercion, but, Lord, simply and gently, Lord God, and personally, Lord, you want to meet them here. Lord, I pray that you would meet all of us here. Lord, may that be our prayer, that we would be what you want us to be, do what you want us to do, and speak as you want us to speak, God. We love you, Lord. You are our only hope in this world. In Jesus' name. struggle with and the one that challenges us is, you know, when are we going to let go? Um, when are we going to let go? I mean, for some of us, that, that could have been a turning point and, and for some reason we hold on. And I got to tell you, I'll repeat what I said earlier, that man, when you give something to God and you release something, God will redeem that. He will replace it with something better. Let this just be kind of the thought when you're thinking about letting go. If you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then free of fault, you will lift up your face. You will stand firm and without fear. You will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters gone by. Life will be brighter than noonday and darkness will become like morning. You will be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest in safety. You will lie down with no one to make you afraid, and many will court your favor.
That's God's promise to us, man. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you so much. Lord, thank you for a challenging word today. But Lord, most of all, thank you for being in this room and for your presence that changes lives. Lord, thank you for those that just went all in today, Lord God, and surrendered some things. Lord God, we praise you for that. Lord, not only do they free themselves up, but they free all of us up to run a little bit faster, a little bit more focused, because more, Lord God, are coming to you and surrendering their lives to you. God, I pray that this week, second place would be the type of people that live out verse 17, that it's a process, it's a journey, it's an investment, it's day by day, sometimes hour by hour, sometimes minute by minute. And God, that's exactly how it is, that we need to rely on you and trust in your spirit and trust in that wisdom that you say, God, you will give out generously to anybody who asks with faith. And so, God, we praise you for that. We thank you, Lord, for being our God, because truly you are our only hope. And so, God, we praise you and thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. Um, story so far starts in 30 minutes. I just said it. Um, we'll be back here. If you guys can help us, this is what's going to happen over the next 10, 15 minutes or so. While they're getting the food just prepped, we're going to stack these chairs, set them to the side. I've got some guys that will start rolling tables out. You can help us, hang out, whatever you need to do, and we'll get started with the food in just a few minutes. Love you guys. See you next time.